Are we on? Yeah, we're rolling. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Three, two, one. Let's have some fun. Welcome to the family room, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio. Welcome to another week in the family room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, John Gordon and Mari Cleveland. Hey, Craig, what's going on? Glad to be here. Hey, John. Hey there. Hey, Mari, how are you? Great. Listeners, if you've been dialing in, you've heard numerous guests of ours uh, who've talked about marriage. We've had the Burks on. We've had the Carltons on. We've even had people on that weren't specifically talking about marriage and it ended up talking about marriage. (laughs) So obviously we find that to be a critical topic. And as we've also mentioned on the show before, marriages are under attack, whether it starts before you get married, whether you're in marriage or whether you're post-marriage, you know, that assault is constantly going on. So we decided that we were going to have a show with us today. Your co-hosts are going to talk about our experiences in our own marriages Hopefully won't scare anybody or scare ourselves away, <laughs> but we want to uh, bring you our own personal experiences, the good, the bad, and the somewhat ugly. That's perfect. That's perfect. And, and I guess this is a great time to pray, don't you think? This would be a really good time to pray. <laughs> really good time to pray. Okay. In fact, I'd be happy to do That'd that. That'd be perfect, John. Thank you <laughs> Thank so you, much. John. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, as we begin this endeavor, we just come to you with thanks and praise and frankly, with amazement because... This marriage, this gift that you've given us, um, is, is is just hard to fathom for us sometimes. Sometimes in the the best of ways, and sometimes in the most difficult ways. But Lord, you've given us the ability to create. You've given us a person who, from the beginning of time, you knew was intended and created and formed in their mother's womb to be our spouse. It, it just. It amazes us, and and we come with all of that awe and all that appreciation. And then also, Lord, with all the things, the attacks of the devil and the frustrations and the day in and day out, all those things, they weigh in. And we just ask you to open up our minds and our hearts and the minds and hearts of our listeners that if there's a message and if there's something that can empower or encourage or or make better some scenario to for someone who's listening right now, then we just ask you pour out your spirit on us and on them and, and let us get at this. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. St. John Paul. Pray for, pray us. pray for us. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the yes. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Excellent. Amen. Again. Yeah, that was great. So it is fascinating because uh, I think we're going to learn a little bit about each other. Maybe we don't even know. So, um, that's scary. That's scary. <laughs> so we're glad you prayed, John. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and, and it is cool because as we've listened to, uh, the, the Burks, we've listened to Danny and Stephanie Burke. We've listened to the Carltons talk about their experiences in marriage. I think each of us started thinking about, yeah, what about what happened in our own marriages, mm-hmm. um, that might be helpful, um, to share with other people. So the way this is going to work, we're kind of going to chronologically go through that whole, that whole marriage experience, like all the way from when you first met this person, how you chose this person, why you chose this person to what your marriage prep looked like, maybe even a little bit, what your wedding, what you remember about your wedding. Um, and then what that just the reality is kind of our challenges of our marriage 
and then where we are currently. So that's kind of our outline for our time together. And we're just going to take turns kind of asking each other those questions and, and see what we got and see what kind of encouragement. So here on the family room, we always want to offer hope and encouragement. And so we just hope that the reality of what we faced will offer some, some hope and some encouragement, either because we did it right or because we did it wrong and we're still here. Yeah. <laughs> either, either one, right? Still learning our lessons for exactly. sure. Exactly. Okay, so who sh- we should? I think we should start with the guy who's been married the longest. That's what do what you I think? Was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John Gordon, hmm. you were on. You and Barb have been married for thirty. Forty-one years. Forty-one. Forty-one years. Oh my gosh, you don't yeah. look that old. Thank you. <laughs> so John and Barb looks even younger. <laughs> <laughs> she does. She looks very young. So John and Barb, forty-one years. Okay, so tell us, take us back to the beginning. How'd you guys meet, and how'd you decide that Barb was the one for you? Well, as I was throwing darts at the dartboard that had all these pictures of people who I had dated. No, I don't even own a dartboard. Arranged marriage? Uh, no, it wasn't that. Um, so, wow. that's um, So, I was in formation. Uh, I don't... I was in formation for seven years. Formation being studying for the priesthood. Um, so, I was in formation fundamentally from my freshman year of high school um, through my junior year of college. And, and I met Barb. It was legal. I didn't have to like meet her on the side or sneak around. We were allowed to date. But um, but I met Barb at Villanova, and it's it's a funny story. We don't have time for all that. But um, I met her in a French class that I tried desperately to drop because I got put in a four thousand two four point two or four thousand two, and I didn't know what that all meant. I was brand new. You get him a trick card. It says French four thousand five. Conversation and composition. You're great. We're going to converse. We're going to compose. What's next? And how much French had you had before that? I had like three years in high school. They didn't have it in high school my my senior year because it was a small high school. A French teacher had a baby, so she wasn't there. (laughs) (laughs) So So that's why they put you in the fourth level of French. Well, no, you had to take a test, a placement test. So I did the placement test. Be humble again. I I was literally I was the last person to leave that big auditorium where you go and take tests, right? And I turned to my test and I'm like, please, Lord, just at least intermediate level or above, because I don't want to take any more language than I absolutely have to. And that's how I got placed in that class. Barbara was an honors student, so like she was like, oh, yes, I'll be at fourth. No, Barbara's <laughs> not like that at all. You know Barbara. She's not like that at all. But she's smart. And um, and so that she got in there. She didn't try to drop it. I desperately tried to drop it. I couldn't make it work, so I said, I'm just going to suck it up and try to make it work. And and here we are, 41 years later. <laughs> neither one of us speaks French. <laughs> It's probably a healthy thing that you don't. English is hard enough some days. It is. But uh, that was difficult because I was in formation. And really since freshman, maybe sophomore year of high school, I was pretty sure that I was headed down a path with a celibate life. And and and, and that was that. And it wasn't like, oh, I've got to be celibate. I mean, that's what I had planned to do, right? So in formation to become a Catholic priest. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Yeah. And um, in the Roman, <laughs> right? So yeah, it wasn't like, anyway, so um, so I, we could go on forever because it's a fun story to tell. And and I, I tell people all the time, two things. It is, it is absolutely the best decision I've ever made in my life. It absolutely is uh, on our best day and on our worst day. And Barbara made a better decision in choices of spouses than I did, but that's her problem. (laughs) 
I, you know, I, I think you need no, to I, 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 I screwed that up, didn't I? See, and she'll say, that's pretty typically John. <laughs> no, I did make a much better marriage decision than Barb did, and, and she's dealing with it extremely well. But um, I think Okay, was, we do have almost an hour, so, you know, you, you've told us twice it's a fun story, so we have to hear the story. <sighs> okay, um, so... Um, <laughs> So while we were we were in this French class together, I, I was dating another young lady, and Barb was dating another young man, and um, that's another fun story. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, I'll leave no, it with that because I don't know out. who's going to hear that. But anyway, at the, the bottom line is we each I had kind of gone my way, and 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 Barb hers, and we met. Our first date was April second. 1977 officially we had we had dinner together on St. Patrick's Day of that same year and that was really kind of the first unofficial date but we mark April 2nd as our as our first anniversary date but um it, it was funny neither one of us well you should ask Bard because maybe she did intend you know to date me but neither one of us were of the mind that we were going to go that we were going to get heavy duty into dating or anything but what what was amazing for me is I've had all this time of, you know, I'm going to be a priest and I'm going to do these things. And I wanted to do that. It wasn't like, you know, I was going to give it all up for God. I wanted to do that. And um, but the one thing that kept gnawing at me, I came from a pretty close family. We're goofy as can be, but it was a close family. And as the one thing that kept gnawing at me was I'm not going to have a family. It wasn't so much that I'm not going to have a, a spouse, mm. but I'm not going to have my own family. And I would and I would tell myself and think over and over about, you know, where, when Peter asks, you know, Jesus, well, hey, what's in it for us? And he says, hey, I'll tell you, whoever gives up his life and I'll get the scripture wrong. But for me, we'll receive, you know, um, many more, men, yep. in, you know, reward in the next life and a hundredfold in this life. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was my answer. And I had seen that played out in so many good priests that I knew. I mean, I knew that that was true. I really knew that was true. But still, there was this thing. I'm not going to have a family. And I was teaching CCD on Sundays to the faculty, um, students of the faculty at Villanova. And um, and after every class, we went down to Bartley Hall and, and had mass. And there were all the families having mass. Mm. And there was John and I might have been doing it with one of my other buddies. I can't remember. Eventually I conned Barb into doing There's a pattern in my life, by the way. I will do something. I will con Barbara into doing it because I know she'll do it really well. <laughs> it's like Bible study right now. I conned her into doing that. She's like great at it. Anyway, um, but um, there I would sit and I'm like, this is mm. the part I miss, right? And so when Barb came along. Like suddenly there was there and I, I, I was journaling at the time. I've been pretty steady journal person for a long time. And um, you can go back. I have I kept it. And it says on April 2nd was our anniversary. On April 10th, there will be an entry in my journal that says, um, suddenly I understand what it means in Scripture that a man shall leave his mother and father and cling to his wife and the two shall be as one. Mm. I wrote that down. Now. How I was going to get from, <laughs> from years, one dinner, five exactly. years of formation to uh, to that, I had no idea. Um, her family was awesome. It was just everything felt so right. But that's you know, that's what people tell you. Just you can't go by what you feel, right? Mm -hmm. just, mm -hmm. um, and and so fortunately, I had really good people in in formation as well. And and the the one priest that I, I went to, he's like, John, you just got to go through a formal discernment process. We know how to do this. 
This may shock you, John, but you're not the first man who thought perhaps this isn't for me and perhaps <laughs> I should get married. Right? So he took, I would tell you, um, we talked about in one of these calls about, you know, the whole idea of getting the end that were the, the, the means you get the, the means to justify the end and, or I, I get the phraseology backwards, but the decision to get married was one where my first question was, Lord, what do you want me to do? Mm. And then the answer came to marry Barbara. Right. And so not every decision in my life has, has been that way, but, um, but it was, it was cumbersome because it was like, I felt by my, the end of my sophomore year, beginning of junior year, I'm like, we got to get some reconciliation around this. Right. And so we went through the discernment process junior year. And, and then that was that. And we got engaged and, and we got married and the rest is rock and roll history, as they say. Or we'll talk about it in another segment. here. Yeah, that, that is actually an awesome story. And what I hear in that story is I hear that God was already speaking to your heart. Yeah. He started speaking to your heart when he was kind of pricking it and going about the family, the whole family thing. Right. And, you know, for I think for each of us, anytime we're discerning anything, anytime we've got these big life choices is what is God saying to your heart? Can you get yeah. still enough? Can you get quiet enough to really hear what he's saying to your heart? Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was the turning point. I actually went to St. Mary's Chapel one evening and I was in there and I went up on the altar and I sat where the altar service sit and it was just me and God. And I'm, I'm like, really? What? And it was the most overwhelming experience of my life that was just like, mm, go. Right. So, great. so yeah. Okay, awesome. Craig, you're up. Well, before we get there, folks, you're listening to AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio, and you're listening to your co-hosts, John, Craig, and Mari, talk about our marriage engagement experiences. Uh, John, that was awesome, by the way. It's interesting, too, because, Mari, what you said was discernment, was the, was the key. John had in his mind, I'm going down a certain path, I'm doing something, and God intervened and said, I've got something different. Uh, funny enough, mine is, my story, is, or our story, is fairly similar. Kelly and I met in sixth grade. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we went to the same grade school. She was, like, the prettiest girl to come into the class. Um, in the eighth grade, I was six foot tall and about 130 pounds. Oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> glasses, um, you know. All, all those things that are so attractive to a young lady at that age. Uh, but she and I became friends, you know, didn't hang out a lot, but we were friends and um, went to separate high schools. She went to a co-ed high school. I went to an all-guys Catholic high school. Would see each other, fortunately, in mass on a regular basis on Sunday. Um, our church in Ohio also was one of the founding churches of what is today called CHIRP. Yeah. We were one of the first ones to do the renewal program. So my mother in particular was in that. Kelly's mother was as well. My father wasn't, but Kelly's father was. So there were some commonalities there. But, you know, we kind of went our own ways, went off to college, came back. I was working. Kelly was, you know, working, doing her thing. And kind of funny enough, we both came to a similar, not even knowing each other in a dating way. We came to a similar decision at the same time, like, okay, Whatever's going on right now today isn't really working. This is not, you know, either I'm dating somebody I don't want to really date or I'm not dating anybody. Of course, she was dating somebody. I was not. So everybody knows me. Go, That's probably right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, not dissimilar, though, to you, John. And I, was, I had a great job. I was in advertising at that time doing really well. 
dissatisfied as heck. Was just like, you know, mm-hmm. Lord, this is this is great. You've blessed me, but something in my heart was like something's missing here. And I said, you know, I want to get married. And I'm not saying for all the most um, wonderful reasons. Wasn't thinking about family, just relationship, not being alone, all those things. Um, but I said, and I, folks, I know you're not supposed to do this, but it was on the Feast of the Sacred Heart uh, for the Novena of the Sacred Heart. And I said, God, you and I are making a deal. And he probably laughed. And I said, look, it, <laughs> I need to make a major life decision. And I'm going to give you, kind of me being me. Okay, God, I'm going to give you until October. To, <laughs> folks, this is a true story. I'm going to give you till October to either help me find the person that I can spend the rest of my life with, or I'm going to look into becoming a priest because I was Jesuit educated. I was really close to a lot of the priests there, really close to priests at our parish. And if those of you have listened on the radio, you know, I like to talk. So I was thinking I can give great homilies because I'm awesome. I'm a, forgot about all the other stuff you're supposed to do as a priest, but I'm going to be, you know. Um, but the reality was in my prayer time, you know, I heard God saying, well, yeah, but are you going to do it my way? Mm. I'm not going to disclose what that means to our listeners, but I think everybody can take a guess. And it's like, you know, Lord, okay, I will. And literally went from, I think it was June is the is that novena. June, July, August, September, October hit. And I went, oh, darn. Because I really wanted, my heart, my heart was set on being married. Yeah. But I'm like, okay, Lord, here we are. Called the priest that I wanted to get in contact with. Magically, he was on vacation for two weeks. Oh, okay, fine. I'll have him call me when he gets back. Uh, our parish was having a uh, retreat given by an outside priest. Kelly's folks invited her to go, unbeknownst to me. My mother um, invited me to go because she was really into, you know, all the different missions we had. So I went. Kelly's at church. We're at church. Of course, my mother's like, hey, why don't you ever ask that girl out? I'm like, yeah, she's really pretty, mom. I don't think she's going to be interested in going out with me. Have you taken uh, exactly, exactly. I know you live with me, mom, and I know what you think, but, you know. But anyway, long story short is, uh, funny enough, Went the whole week, saw her there, said hi, you know, whatever. But at the end of the week, a family friend of ours who had six children, at that point in time, uh, the the woman had just had a baby, and I love kids, and I was walking around in the back of church with this baby slung over my arm, just kind of hanging there. (laughs) And Kelly is in a distance. She looks up and she says, is that yours? I was like, no, sorry, I don't think so. And she was like, oh, somebody told me you got married, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. Long story short, um, God answered the prayer. Kelly was kind enough to say, hey, I'm going out with some friends tonight. Would you like to join us? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. I had an incredible experience just being with somebody that was kind and sweet and nice. And um, asked her out on an official date. And it was like a week or two later. Went to, went to mass first, thank God. Went to dinner. And then um, went to a club. We went dancing. We had drinks. We did all the stuff normal 23 or 24 year olds uh, do and literally walked her back to her car because I think we met there and I simply said you know it only gets better from here and just God put something in my heart like yeah this is this is what I want you to do and my priest friend called me like two days later I was like hey you called me do you want to get together I'm like no I'm good just wanted (laughs) to make sure you were okay and check up on you see how you were and I ran away from him as fast as I could but, you know, coming up on 30, was it 32 years now, 
Yeah, 32 years later, we're still together. Yeah. By the grace of God. Yep, amen. That is great. All right, Mari, you're on the clock. Oh, okay, so my turn. Um, so interestingly enough, you know, thinking about you guys and saying kind of what, what did God plant in your heart early on? I remember being five years old, I kid you not, and thinking, I want children. I just mm. knew it. At the age of five, I knew I wanted kids. I didn't think about a husband and when you're five. <laughs> you obviously don't even know about exactly. that part. No. I just knew no. that I wanted kids someday. And God put that desire in my heart at a very, very young age. And so to kind of make a longer story shorter... I was in my early 30s, and I was at by that time I had been everybody's maid of honor. I had been oh. everybody's godmother. People were starting to put me in their will as the caretaker <laughs> for their children. Everybody had given up on me, except me. I had not given up on me. And I remember my parents even saying, my dad saying, so are you getting out much? I'm like, yeah. And I was very involved in my church. I was doing a lot of volunteer work. I had a great job. Everybody around me, as I just said, was already married. And I dated some great guys, but nothing had worked so far. And my mom said, so what do you think? God's just going to like have him appear on my your doorstep? And I said, yeah, you know what, Mom? God has put a desire in my heart, and I know he is going to fulfill the desire of my heart. Not knowing I was actually quoting from the Psalms when I said that. Oh, wow, yeah. And I just had the sense of peace. God had given me a sense of peace. I hadn't dated anybody by then in a couple of years. And I got a phone call one day from a friend who I had been friends with at that point for probably six or seven years. And uh, I had run into a roommate of his who told him that uh, I wasn't dating anybody. And this guy, he and I were just really good friends and we played that played it up a little bit. So he called me, invited me to a party. I couldn't go. And as he was hanging up the telephone, he said, I said to him, Hey, hold on a second. Do you have any um, cute friends you could set me up with? And he says to me, you know, I don't really know your type. I said, come on, you know me all these years. And he said, well, I didn't really know any names off my last three boyfriends. And he says, I didn't really know any of them that well. So this is the God part too. I had been told by several Catholic women that I needed to be praying very specifically. So I had a list. I had been praying specifically. I had a very specific list. And I said to this guy on the phone, I said, okay, well, here's my list. Here's what I'm looking for. Okay. And you guys are going to laugh. This is in no particular order. But I said specific, right? I want him to be between be between five ten and five eleven, because I'm not that tall. <laughs> be, between five ten and five eleven. That's pretty specific, right? Was, uh, no range. Do you do fractions well? <laughs> it gets even more specific. Between one hundred and seventy and one hundred and eighty, I want him to have dark hair. I want him to have either blue or green eyes. He has to be a Christian. Most better if he's Catholic, I want him to be Catholic. He has to have a great sense of humor. He has to be athletic, love the outdoors. He has to love kids. I go on my list. I literally have about 10 or 11 or 12 things on my list. And I get to almost the last thing on my list. And I realize that I have just described George Cleveland to the very hair on his head. And he says to me, um, Mari, um, I've got some bad news for you. And I said, uh-huh. And he said, um, there aren't many of us left out here. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, my word. And as I said, we'd been friends for about seven years at that point, And he was right there, and I didn't know it. And 
almost exactly a year to the day of that telephone call, we were engaged. We were engaged and married six months later. Yeah. And our first date was actually to mass. Um, He called me after that call. He called me back about a month later and he said, so I'm kind of looking at churches and I wanted to go to church with you. The the boy's in sales. He knows what to do. So, yeah. (laughs) So um, he, uh, yeah. So he, um, we went to, we went to mass together and, um, we had known each other. What I always tell people is I'd already seen consistency of character for many years. I'd seen how he treated his friends. I'd seen how he treated his family when his parents were in town. I'd been around him before when he had little kids. He was on the floor playing with the kids and the dogs. Yeah. You know, I'd seen all that part of who he was. And so he wasn't trying to impress me. He was just being who he was. And, and now it's been almost 24 years, and I would never, ever change that decision. Awesome. It's the best decision I ever made. So um, pretty incredible. Well, it's funny, too, you're talking about authentic people and we had you know on our shows we've talked about authenticity we've talked about character we've talked about virtue yeah and seems like it's come out in all three of these conversations right right you know and speaking of that too you know your wife knew that you were going to be a priest Mm -hmm. your wife knew that you came from this very strong faith-filled family and you were going to do things god's way in this courtship process George knew that about me, that I was very strong in my faith and and very virtuous in my, you know, dealings of what, so it was very, that was also cool too, is just the process by which we went through the betrothal process or whatever the marriage process was that um, we did it God's way. We did it God's way. But interesting, I will say this, um, I remember having a conversation with Kelly, she was like, maybe you and I should just be friends, and I was Mm -hmm. a little bit heartbroken. And she was like, well, you haven't make, made any advances, okay? Uh-huh. She didn't mean it in a bad way, but it was kind of like, well, uh-huh. you must not find me very attractive. Uh-huh. Yep. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, John's laughing. He's met Kelly. <laughs> that wouldn't be it, honey. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the reality was it was, you know, like every other guy I've dated has always made advances. Yeah. You haven't. And she and I had an open conversation about that. Yep. Had an open conversation about my conversation with God. And it's like, you know what? It's time to maybe act a little bit differently and again, put God in the right order in this whole situation. Exactly. So let me ask you guys one thing. What's one or two things about Barb and Kelly that were different from the other girls that you dated that made you know that this was the right one? Dated a lot of pretty attractive women. Um, Barb fits that category, but she was more like a partner. Everybody else just wanted to be almost like a trophy bride or something. Oh, interesting. Barb was like a partner from the beginning. I knew when we come back, I'll tell you a story about changing the water pump. But she was, she, uh, she was, Barbara was very much Barb, like my partner. She that's was, cool. she was a partner and that's, e- an equal. That's cool. Yeah. No, I think I felt equally tied to Kelly. She appreciated the faith. She appreciated things I did. I was doing some youth things, things like that. We were just on the same page. And quite honestly, when I say comfortable, I mean, it was like, I've known you my whole life. And yeah, as they say, if you have two parts of a heart and you put them together, I almost felt like the other part of my heart mm, came together where before cool. it never was. That's cool. Yeah. Um, George was a man that I could totally respect. I totally respected him and I could totally trust him. Um, and we communicated great. Like I remember somebody saying, is there anything that you can imagine that you could not problem solve your way through and communicate your way through? And I said, no, I could talk through and work through anything with this guy. He's humble and he's kind and respectful and it's amazing. And I felt peace. So listeners, we thank you for joining us. We are here in the family room. We will be back from this break in just a couple minutes. We'll come right back to the family room with Mari, John and Craig right after this. Here at the quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. 
as a 100% listener-supported station. The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. AM 1160 The Quest is listening to you, too. One listener shared. Every time I get in my car, I turn on The Quest, and it seems to always address whatever is on my heart that day. God is really speaking to me through this station. Thank you so much for bringing a message of truth and hope into my life and to so many others across Atlanta. If you're enjoying the station, please consider supporting us with a donation. Go online to thequestatlanta.com. Let us offer a prayer of thanksgiving for Father Josh Allen, a priest serving in the Archdiocese of Atlanta. Eternal God, we thank you for the blessings of Father Allen, who represents you on this earth. Make him more greatly aware of the grace that you pour out through him as he ministers the sacraments, and help him to fall more deeply in love with you after each and every Mass that is celebrated. Please strengthen him so that he may lovingly and courageously shepherd your flock. May we support Father Allen and the Archdiocese of Atlanta by offering him kind words, deeds, and assistance. We thank you, God, for the gift of Father Josh Allen. Allow him to remain an example of your truth and a guide to all those he is entrusted to serve. We ask these things of you, our Lord, our eternal priest. Amen. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig on AM 1160, The Quest. If you were with us before the break, you know that uh, we as your co-hosts, uh, Mari and John and Craig, we're sharing with you our own thoughts on marriage and our own marriage stories. And uh, usually we ask our guests on each Family Room edition their favorite Family Room memory. But instead, I'm going to ask, what is one memory or thought you have about your wedding itself? So the, the, the wedding itself, is there a memory that stands out for you? I wish you'd go in reverse order this time. Just saying. <laughs> okay, All I'll right. go, I'll go, go first. Ahead, Marty, I'll go please. first then. Okay, so I remember obviously lots of things, but one of the things that just the first thing that struck me was that I wanted my wedding to really be a sacrament. And so it was a full mass. It was a beautiful mass. And I was in the choir at the time. I went to Christ the King, and I was in the 530 choir, an amazing choir, Um 
not because I was the worst singer. They they were all amazing. Anyway, amazing choir. And they learned for my wedding, they learned a Chamorro hymn. And Chamorro is the native language on Guam, which is where I'm from. It's where I grew up. And so they learned a Chamorro hymn to, to sing for our recessional. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. And I remember my my sister's mother-in-law saying that was the most most spiritual wedding i've ever been to and that was the best compliment i ever wow, heard yeah great. yeah that's nice. so that's pretty cool i like that i mean a lot of things but one that still comes to mind and makes me smile is at the time we got married kelly's father and mother were like 44 and 45 so very young and he's a very very strapping guy even now at 77 or whatever he is he's strong he's very you know tough and whatever and he walked her down the aisle, white-faced, lip-quivering with his eyes all red. And Kelly, who's very quiet, you guys have met her, she's kind of quiet, uh, laid back, and um, somewhat shy, and I don't mean that in a negative way. She walked down the aisle with this gigantic smile on her face, and when it came time to say our vows, uh-huh. I mean, the church, the parking lot, the business next door heard her <laughs> saying her. her vows. She was just like, man, this is awesome. That is Which great. I appreciate it. It was awesome because you just, it was yeah. no, you didn't see fear. You, you just saw this joy of, you know, I'm getting married and I'm excited about it. So I remember that distinctly. That is awesome. That is, I would, see, I, I think that's great when the people say they're, because you don't know, that guy could be up there going, oh my gosh, I did a terrible thing, but his lips are moving. You think he's doing his vows, you know? That's, that's, this not, is true. This is very it's true. It's good though. to know that she belted it out. That's and good. nobody stood up and said, you know, yeah. we object. So that was good. <laughs> what about you, John? So I think I shared this before. I, I remember from our actual wedding mass, the thing that was really moving good for me was, you know, traditionally, or at least where I grew up, traditionally the husband would go off and to you have the Saint Joseph side and the oh, yeah. Saint and the, the yes. Blessed Mary. Virgin uh-huh. side, right? Yep. And so the the wife would bring a bouquet to the Blessed Virgin, and and the husband would go pray in front of Saint Joseph. No, nothing against Saint Joseph, but we decided to go in. There was a little chapel. Actually, it was it was Barb's dad had it built in honor of her deceased mother. Right? Oh wow! So it had, it had special wow. meaning for the family, right? And so we went in there. We went in together as a couple, and we prayed the memorare, mm. and um, and we prayed the memorare. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. And um, and so that was to me that that's I I will tell you that that some of the toughest things that we've been through have been taken care of <clears throat> because of that start. I'll tell you one funny story from the wedding night too. Is that cool? Sure. So I get everybody's attention. See? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, this is funny. So like. We made it a big secret, like where we were staying, didn't tell anybody, because I don't know when you guys were getting married, the crowd that we hung with, they were good, but they were, they, didn't they had mischief yes. in them. Yep. Yes. And so they were trying to figure out where were we staying. And I don't know how it happened, but somebody figured out that we were staying at the airport Sheraton and got the room and they started dialing, they started calling the room and you hear snickering and then hanging off, snickering. <laughs> and I'm like, really, guys, <laughs> really? But I, like, you know, my father would say, well, just ignore it. But I can't. Uh-huh. So like, like called, hang up, call, hang up. Finally, the third time they call, and I just said, "Thanks for calling, Dial a Prayer. Would you like to join us?" <laughs> <laughs> the call stopped. That's awesome. That's funny. That's now you great. know if you take a phone off the yeah, receiver, it doesn't ring. Okay. <laughs> <Logical underway. laughs> it sounds like you enjoyed the prank as much I as they did. Okay. The case, right. That's that's great. You know, I feel bad. One of the things I I'll, I do have to mention because you guys both mentioned your lovely brides. 
one of the other great memories I have is um, just kneeling beside George. We They had the kneeler up on the altar and just kneeling next to him and looking over yeah. as we were praying. And um, it was just beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was very cool. Okay, so we also, all three of us, talked a little bit about marriage prep and the mm-hmm. type of marriage prep mm-hmm. we got and how we, we wish maybe, it, you know, now looking back, there's some things we would probably encourage our kids or other people to know as they went through marriage prep. So what was your experience in marriage prep? What's something that you think really was helpful in marriage prep? Let me start with this. So far, we've given our kind of testimonies. Mm-hmm. And it frankly, it sounds like, oh, well, you guys were awfully religious and you guys had it all together walking into this thing. Mm-mm. And I can tell you that's one <laughs> thing out of marriage prep, though, that I took was, uh, yes, I was active in the church and all these things. But... Um, Marriage prep really never got you to sit down and talk about some of the serious Mm -hmm. questions. How do you deal with this problem if it comes up? What do you do about that? So it was, it was, it was just interesting because yes, we were prepared, meaning we knew what the wedding was all about. We knew, but Dr. Schutz explanation of a marriage as the father, you know, resembling the father, son, and Holy spirit, the love that gets created there, nothing that in depth, in my opinion, and there's nothing against our parish, we had a great parish, but it was a little bit superficial mm. and didn't drill down on what are you guys really stepping into? Nobody looked either one of us in the eye and said, it's going to be a fight, guys. You're going to have to do- double down. And nobody went through our personalities and said, you like to have fun, go to a party, talk to everybody. Kelly would rather sit with one person at a party, have a really engaging conversation, and you're going to act like a fool and she's not. How are you guys going to deal with that mm-hmm. when it comes time to yeah. dealing with it? And very immature. You know, I looked at it for a long time and kind of been like, well, get over it. This is me. That's you. You're in the wrong. And instead of being like, you know what? I really love you. And you're right. I need to alter my own self. They never talked about that. They never brought any of that up. And I, I wish they had. Yeah. Interesting. How about for you, John? Um, we did... It wasn't a, like a retreat. We did a full day on campus in the um, Religious Studies Center. It was good, I recall. As I look back on it now, I think the word you used, Craig, was superficial. So there were people. There was one couple. I'll forget their name. That's um, a good thing, John. Yeah. Well, no, it was. A, it's a good story. It's, they, this was the, the, one of the couples teaching us. Oh, right? got it. Okay. And she was very, very honest about um, difficulties that they had. They had, come to, they had come to some financial challenges. And, and I remember telling stories like that they were, you know, trying to make three slices of salami. I'd just, you know, make up a meal or something like that, something crazy. And, um, and, and her, her message was loud and clear that, that there were serious challenges. And, um, but it's one of those things like that it doesn't make you stop and think about your own self, right? You say, mm-hmm. okay, that's great. That's moving. That's powerful. But it, it didn't ask us. I don't think there was anything in there that was like, that you would count as like really church teach. I shouldn't mm-hmm. say that because it probably wasn't. I just wasn't paying attention. But it, I, I just wasn't most, I mean, I was paying attention enough in life that, that important things pretty much got my attention. And I just don't recall it being powerful. Certainly more time well spent, but mm-hmm. not how we think about it today. Not what I... I don't know. Yeah. Just maybe superficial. Well, no follow-up either. You're done. You passed. Now go get married. And right. No yeah. follow-up. Right. Yeah. yeah. I remember spending time with our priest, and we had some good conversations with him. 
took some of those temperament tests and things like that. We were already doing that on our own because my background was HR. So, you know, one of our first days. She'd run a credit check. She'd done all. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. We joke about that because he was into finance, right? And so I, may, I remember showing him my bank statements and going, look, I've got lots of money. Don't worry about it. And I'm making him take Myers-Briggs tests so that I could figure out the diff our different temperaments. Yeah. So we, we got to remember, I mean, I was, what, almost 34 when we got married and he was almost 45. So we were way, you know, yeah. Further yeah, down yeah, the down the yeah. road on some of this stuff, um, but I do remember it's so funny. We had the one day retreat type of thing, right, at the archdiocese, and they said something about like write down what you love about your intended or whatever. And I'm writing and writing and writing and writing and writing, and I turn around and I look, and George has already turned his paper over and put it put his pen down, and he's done. And I was like, well, that doesn't look very good over there. And he literally like wrote three bullet points. And, and you know, it's just so funny. It's kind of like I can be very verbose and go on and on. And he is short and sweet and to the point, And he knows what he knows, you know, and that's it. And it was hilarious because we went back and we shared with the priest what we had both said and everything. What did he use in his homily in our wedding? The three things George said, not what I said. Uh, you couldn't remember them all. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I think that um, for us, what I wish people knew, honestly, what I wish people knew is that, first of all, love is a decision. It's not a feeling. Right. Yeah. Feelings yeah. change. Yes. And you've yeah. got to make that decision over and over again every single day. And I remember George and I got into an argument, not to, with each other, with other people about that, because we both believed that love was a decision, and not just a feeling and uh, talking about how important that was. And then the other thing is that if you are a faith-filled person, if you do want to follow Ephesians 5 and you recognize that, you know, women, you are to respect this man and men, you are to love your wife the way that Christ loved the, the church, which means sacrificially, mm -hmm. and that there can only be one head, right? There, You can't both be the boss. We've all been in business enough to know there's got to be one final decision maker, right? Yep. Um, I think that more women would think long and hard about who they're marrying if they knew that they were going to have to acquiesce sometimes and they were going to have to let that person lead. They were going to have to trust the other person well enough to lead. And that's, we always joke in our marriage that we've got the 5149 rule that for the most part, most of what the day to day types of things, whoever's stronger or knows more, or who has right. more passion about whatever the subject is, that's the person who leads. Like George knows that I know more about insurance. So I take care of insurance matters. He knows more about finance. So he takes care of finance matters. I have more excitement or interest or passion around this. So I'll take the lead on that vice versa. But when there comes that very small percentage of time where maybe we both are passionate about a topic and we are not agreeing on what it is, I choose to be the one who says he's going to make the call. But here's the deal. I married a man that I can trust to make the call based on what is in the best interest for me and for our family. Yeah. Because he is humble and he is respectful and he puts himself under God. And so I knew that going in and I know that now all these years later. And so it's very easy for me to be able to do that. But you know what? Women out there who are not married, I would say think about that before you get married. Don't just marry the cute one who makes a lot of money or whatever it might be. Marry the man who you know is going to be humble before God and who's going to put you and your family first in all yeah. decisions. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, look, at we heard from our guests God's got to be number one for both of you. Yeah. And then the other one's interests have to come before ours. But look, I will say my parents' marriage was the opposite in a lot of ways. Mm. My dad was a wonderful human being, 
very simple person. He didn't care about any of it. Mm. He was willing to acquiesce and let my mother do most of it, which sometimes was good, sometimes was bad. But I think there's, and I'm going to maybe theologically get this wrong, but submission does not mean being a doormat. No. Submission does not mean that, oh, you're always right. You know, submission means I understand God intended for you to be in this certain position. And as a part of that, I want to be careful how I say it. I think that a woman has to understand my husband may not be good at this, but I cannot bulldoze him either. I have to lovingly try to get him to come around a little bit. I'm still going to, you know, um, submit to things that he may want. And frankly, the man has to do the same thing. But I think the definition of submissive, just like being meek and humble, have been totally destroyed by society. Mm -hmm. I think is frankly, my daughter was, was reading that the other day and she's like, there's no way in the world I'm going to, (laughs) because I mean, everybody thinks it's a doormat. You're going to push me around and Mm -hmm. you're going to tell me what to do. And that's not how it was. Frankly, in Jewish society, the women had a lot of responsibility Mm -hmm. and were in charge of a lot of things. Oh, read Proverbs 31. You'll see how much the woman was in charge of. There was a lot there. Which one again? Proverbs 31. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, and, so, and we're submit to submit to one another, too, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. But I think yeah. that whole... You know, I submit this bill for payment. I submit this <laughs> list of honeydews. I submit... No. <laughs> okay, so what about challenges? What, what, what are, what's an example of a challenge you guys have faced in your marriage, and what, what worked for you to help you get through that challenge? Quite honestly, um, really understanding the difference between Kelly's and my personality mm. And quite honestly, learning that as I want to solve everything, she wants to retract and she wants to be contemplative. She doesn't want to get into confrontations. Mm -hmm. And me having to learn how to back off and learn how to let her be her in that regard. Mm -hmm. Um, And not, you know, look at my daughter says the same thing. And maybe most guys are like this, but it's like, I just want you to listen. I don't want you to solve this. And quite honestly, being able to take whatever brokenness I have in my life and if she pushes on that bob wire as we've ta- talked about not to react out of anger and really quite honestly what you said go to adoration go to the eucharist and go lord I got my own brain damage here mm-hmm. I can't blame Kelly for being mad at me for something and then me getting twice as mad because she hit a sensitive spot and frankly it's surrendering you know lord you're in charge I have to take a step back I need you to step in and deal with this. And all of that really was, you made a comment one time when we talked about, I don't know that I could love George any more than I do or my capacity for love may grow. That's what this was all about for me. I had a priest tell me, do you love her unconditionally? And I said, yes. He goes, no, you don't because you're wanting her to do these things. Mm -hmm. And it hit me between the eyes because unconditional love like Christ is quite honestly, you take a punch once in a while and you say, I love you. Because either you're hurting or I'm hurting, and it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about for you, John? There's two things. I think I might have mentioned this before. Barb and I had to learn how to fight. Mm, yeah. Um, and um, and and by that I mean let's hey, I'll meet you at six. Let's start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> nah. But um, I remember we had a disagreement, a passionate <laughs> disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> um, about it, it was church related, I think it might even had to do like youth group stuff that we were working on, and we did. We had a, I say knockdown, drag out, not physically, but I mean it was it was a good one. It was vigorous, <laughs> and when it was all done, 
I th I for sure realized. I think Barb did too. It was like, well, there's no blood. <laughs> we survived. There's no lawyer. <laughs> We're still married, unless we don't want to be, and we want to be. Um, and I think when I, I think we just had to learn to that like it was okay to have those because there were, mm -hmm. and, and I'd probably project the most because I was always, guys, like, I don't want to have a fight about this. I'm like, well, maybe we should have a vigorous discussion about this. Maybe that's what it takes, right? And so it took me, at least it took me a while to figure that out. And and the other thing was just, golly, you cannot take yourselves too seriously. Mm, yeah. so one of our guests said that it might have been um, uh, Dan and. Stephanie Burke talked mm -hmm. about you hear your spouse say things that she's not saying, or you that hear was your the Bergs, yes. yeah. 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 I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right here, yeah. would you like the list? <laughs> That's pretty funny. So yeah, so I think um, I, it's like, your spouse does not wake up in the morning, or Barb doesn't wake up in the morning like, mm, what can I get him with today? Right? She's got better things to do. Right, and it just so you just not taking each other too seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Keeping that humor. Yeah, yeah. and, and get, that was those were the things I think. Right, we raised kids starting out early, mm -hmm. so I mean, we just went right in. Yeah, if you ask George, it's funny because he'll always say the first year of marriage was our hardest, and it wasn't hard because anything was going on between us. It was hard because of the whole leaving and cleaving part. You know, you're supposed uh, to yeah. leave your father and mother and cleave to each other, and. We were older, but I, you know, I had a very close family relationship. I just have one sister and we, we traveled a lot when I was young and as a family, we were very, very close. And so my parents were used to being involved in my life. And there were a lot of things that I didn't really care so much about. So I let them help me make decisions about things and I would bounce ideas off of them. And I really respected and loved my parents. And so they were, um, I was totally on my own. I mean, once I, they actually lived in a wholly, totally different, con on a different continent once I, once I started college. So we were very separated, but we talked a lot, yeah, you know, yeah. we did talk and, and, um, and I had my own full-time job and was doing great and everything, but, but they were involved in my life to a certain degree and had opinions and ideas. And once we got married, we were renovating a house. And I remember my mom going, well, your dad thinks you should do this. And I said, <laughs> well, that's, that's good information. And I'll take that to George and he and I will talk about that. And she got so um, offended that we were, I was potentially rejecting my dad's advice. And I said, well, I, I really respect and appreciate the advice, but we may choose to do something different. And I intentionally had to make the decision to leave and to cleave and yeah. to say, I'm going to put George's opinions before yeah. my parents' opinions in, in these situations now. And it was very interesting. And also just to balance that relationship, to let my parents still know, we still love you. We still respect you. We still want you to be part of our lives, but it's going to look a little different. Yeah. And I know of couples who haven't done that. And that causes a lot, whether it's the wife or the husband, and it, it causes a lot of challenges. One of the things that you said too, Craig, when you're talking about temperament differences, mm -hmm. George is an introvert. I'm an extrovert. And learning the differences between those and what that really means is so important. Not just the energy levels like, you know, I'm going to get, we're going to both get to a party and we're both tired and we're both going to say, oh, we're only going to stay 30 minutes. Yeah. He knows that's not going to happen. <laughs> he knows that after 30 minutes, he's going to be ready we're to go stay home. 30 minutes longer than anybody else. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what happens to me, right? I get it there and my energy starts to ramp up. Yep. And so, you know what we started doing? We started taking separate cars. 
you know, simple solution because we both knew that I was going to want to stay longer. And so it was okay. Now, sometimes we don't, sometimes we'll go home together. But if he knew that was a party of people that I really was going to get excited about being with, and I'm going to want to have more time, he'd say, that's fine. You stay, I'll go on home. It's no big deal. It's fine. But just that respect level, I think is so, so very important. And the timing also an introvert takes longer to process Process, information. yeah. Yeah. So being respectful of him and giving him that extra day to process something. Yeah. Yeah. No, and I think it's interesting too when you come to a mutual, mutually beneficial conclusion. Not, oh, well, you disrespected me because now you want to drive separately. That means more than it does. It means you respect that I want to stay. I respect that you want to go home. Yeah. I'm not offended either way. Bingo. And I think again, differently. I was married at 24. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how old John were you. Turned 22 on our honeymoon. It's okay. So yeah. being younger. You don't always, at least I didn't have that intentionality of, okay, I need to walk away, not walk away from your parents, but I need to make that break or I need to do this or that. It was kind of like, oh, well, I just went from college to a job to marriage and it's the same life. I just got somebody else here with me and a little bit different. Yeah. And I think Barb had the harder time of that because I fundamentally left home at 14. Right. That's true. Yeah. To a boarding school. Was that a prison? So I chose boarding school. (laughs) Um, That'll be a good one. No, that's not true. Uh, but um, she did have a close family, and, and I ripped her away, and we went off to, like, East Lansing, Michigan, because that's a great place to be. But no I'm offense gonna, to any of you from East Lansing. You something my dad said when I was growing I couldn't have been very old. Like, I mean, like, maybe middle school. And I don't even know how it came up. He said, you understand that, like, if there's ever a decision that I have to make, your mother will always come before you kids. Mm-hmm. I think he might have said you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So maybe he was cool with my siblings, just not me. <laughs> but um, no, that's not true. But it had a profound effect on me because you're, I was of that age where like I wasn't happy. My dad worked a night job and uh, during the day he taught and then he worked at night as a bookkeeper. And there were nights that I wasn't ready to be done until I heard dad open the garage door. Anyway, so that that, that was profound, I thought. And it made separation make sense. Yeah, so this is really cool. We only have about a minute left. So any final thoughts you guys, either of you want to share, any of us want to share about marriage that's so important for our listeners to know? Embrace the gift. Yeah. Again, it sounds simple, but make God and Christ the center Center. of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I would say that too, is recognize the order, right? God first and then your spouse and your spouse comes before your kids and that knowing that your kids are going to be much more well-adjusted, much more peaceful, much more safe feeling if they see you put your spouse first. Yeah. 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 And for any of our unmarried listeners, hopefully you've gathered some good information as you either decide to step into that realm or understand that you can get married at 25 or 35 And you still have to go through the same processes and you still have to discern the same way. And frankly, be open to God's changing your life plan into something he really wants to make it fruitful. Yeah, and that he will have put that, planted that seed in your heart. And just, 100%. Yeah, follow that. And and pray for your spouse. Pray for your spouse, whether you know who your spouse is right now or not. Speaking of, would you close us in prayer? I would be glad to. In the name of the, the Father, Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, you are the author of all marriages, and we thank you for that. We thank you for the blessing of marriage. We thank you for being that third strand in all of our marriages. 
And Lord, we just ask that we would have the continued fortitude and courage to continue to look to you first and foremost and to um, rely on you in all discernment that we have. Please bless our marriages and bless the marriages of all who are listening to us today and bless the future and current marriages of our children as well. And um, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we ask you to pray for us. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, dear listeners. We're glad you're here with us. Please join us again next week here on The Family Room, where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in The Family Room. For more info, go to thequestatlanta.com.